I read that Stallone had a hand at picking the songs for this. Like, how true do you think that is? Oh, it's very true. Is Stallone really? is very big. Like, watch his movies. Like, Rocky Three. Like, Survivor is a band because Stallone basically <laughs> gave them enough commercial success. Yeah, Stallone is very particular about the music that gets put into his film. Weird. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, this is a side note, too. I don't know if you knew this. So, Transformers the movie, Stan Bush is the touch. Yeah. It was supposed to be in this film. What? It was written for this film. Yes. Written for this get, movie? Didn't, didn't get put into that. Yeah, because it wouldn't fit. What? It doesn't fit anywhere. But yes, it was written for this <laughs> what film. What the fuck? Yeah, Who's touch? No Cobra's touch? Like, what is this? I don't get that yeah, at the, all. The killing touch? I don't know. Oh my god, this makes no sense. Hi everybody, this is Bridget Nielsen. You're listening to Children of the Adams. <laughs> Welcome again to another edition of the Children of the Adams podcast. Thank you very much, Brigitte Nielsen, as she is one of the stars of one of the movies we'll be talking about today. It's very fitting that she uh, introed the show. For those unaware, this is the official or unofficial uh, summer of Stallone, I guess. Whereas we're not going to be covering only Stallone movies, but we're going to be doing a whole shitload of them. So we should have plenty ahead of us uh, to watch. Uh, for those curious, you can find us at our home of the web at adamsnerds.com. It is adamsnerds.com for any and all podcasts, all the movies we talked about, as well as our very first uh, live review podcast of Bloodsport that you can watch right along with your copy of the movie. So for now, let's start the show. Hello, everybody. We are back. Again, finally, yes. operational. Yes, yeah, a few, few false starts, we're good. Solar flares. That's... I'm saying it's fucking solar flares, like, for sure. So today, uh, this one's kind of long-awaited. Like, we've often mentioned this movie, and we've talked about doing it for quite some time, but this is this is actually the show we're going to sit down and talk about. Uh, one of the kind of groups, I, I guess, most fun offerings, uh, in my opinion, with uh, from 1986, Cobra, starring Sylvester Stallone. So here, here's the thing about uh, canon films in this film. So you will notice when you turn this movie on, you will see the Golan Globus you know, logo. You don't actually see the canon logo on yeah. this thing. But Golan and Globus, they get a production credit. But you'll also see that this movie was primarily produced by Warner Brothers. Who actually paid for this so, thing then? Like, did canon or did Warner? So it, it appears, I can't, it's hard to find exact details on this. Maybe some other some people might be better at this. There's some backdoor deal that went on, I think, with how Canon Films, you know, signed Sly to do a couple of Canon Films. He did over the uh. top. But I don't think they had the money really to bankroll this thing. So somewhere along the line, I think Canon went to Warner Brothers and said, look, do you want to help out with this? And by, by helping out, I think means, hey, do you want to distribute this thing, pay for the production, right. everything, and we'll just get a production credit for this thing? So I think this explains the quote-unquote quality of this film. Um, it was really distributed by Warner Brothers and not Canon Films. Hmm. But Canon is, is involved because of that reason. It still has Golan Globus's name on it. Golan and Globus, I should say. It's not one name. Um, it, but it has them listed as producers of this thing. So they're, they're tied in somehow. So it does fit in technically to our canon film retrospective I mean, that we've been talking about. There are touches all over this movie. So, you know what I mean? Well, yeah, there is. And so is uh, there's a lot of touches of our star on this thing, For too. For fucking sure, man. And, like, it's. Okay, <laughs> as far as this movie goes, it's. How do you, where does this land for you in Stallone's 
uh, various catalog of movies. Is this one of his better ones? Is it one of his more fun ones, but it's a bad movie? Like, how do you feel about this one? Stallone's a hard one for me to kind of peg down. So a couple weeks ago, we, we talked about Demolition yeah. Man. And I, I was very clear on that one. I love that film. Adored. I think it's very yeah. great. But it's not just because of Stallone. No. It's a, you know, an oeuvre ensemble cast that, that goes along mm-hmm. with it. And, you know, it's well-written, well-directed. It's just a great movie all yeah. in general. But Stallone is real funny for me because he has a lot of films that I loved as a child. Yeah. Absolutely adored. Like, I grew up watching, like, Rocky Three. So Rocky Three was my first Rocky film I ever saw. And, you know, I remember loving that. And then I got to see Rambo, and I saw Cobra. So, as far to answer your question, I I think this is one of his better films, at least in my mind. Not because it's just, like, a well-done film or anything, but because it's just an entertaining film for me. And that might be just a little bit of my childhood love still coming out on this thing. This is one of those few films that I can look back in the 80s and, and watch again and say, yeah, it still entertains me. So I, I, I give it the pass like that. Yeah, that's fair. I think uh, for me, his... This might be up there for me as far as like one of his most fun movies. Uh, his best movie to me, I think, if not Demolition Man, then it a very, very close second has got to be Tango and Cash. With uh, that's Kurt a good Russell. one, man. That is an amazing. But once again, that's movie. that's a tag team ensemble. Oh, yeah, shit. Here. I mean, okay. Hmm. Is it Stallone that really makes that film, or is it Kurt Russell helping Fair. Stallone out in that film, or vice versa? I was gonna say I, I really love Rhinestone too, but he made Dolly Parton's just charming as fuck in that movie. It's hard to not you know not laugh. Yeah, I can't speak that one. I've never seen Rhinestone. Oh, I know you recommended sings it. Stallone country in that movie. And he does it earnestly. I mean, like, you know what I mean? He's actually trying for this shit. Well, that was one of the films that, I mean, he stepped up and, uh, like, so during this time, 1986, mm-hmm. I mean, this film in 1985, but came out in 86. Yeah. I mean, this was the time when Stallone was riding high. Oh, yeah. He was, he and, he and uh, Schwarzenegger were like king of the world, man, in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. But Stallone could arguably be say, hey, I'm much better because, hey, I've got an Oscar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, That's fair. But... <laughs> So, yeah, but he's come off Rhinestone. He's come off the Rocky movies. I mean, just before this film uh, was released, I mean, he had already done Rocky Four, which damn, had he people really? loved. It was, it was, yeah, Rocky Holy Four had come shit. out a year prior in 85. People loved that film. It, I mean, I, I still, it's been a while since I've gone back and watched Rocky it. I didn't realize Rocky Four came out in the 80s. Up. I thought for sure that was mid-90s. No, even Rocky, even Rocky five, I think came out in 1990. Holy shit. You're right. Yeah. 1990. Oh, Rocky five was the one with, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm mixing them up. Four was one with Drago's. That's very, yeah. Very clearly. So yeah. Yes. Five was the one that was, uh, that former pro boxer. He was in that movie, right? Tommy, the machine machine gun. gun. Yeah. Tommy Morrison. (laughs) Boy, that one was terrible. Rocky five, right? Yeah. Don't recommend that one at all. That is a horrible, horrible. That's where, uh, they didn't even box the ring. It was a street fight, right? In an alley. Yep. Yeah, his, his ring's in the street, man. That's he, he had. He went back to the streets in there. Oh days. man, boy. Yeah. Let's. I, <laughs> well, fingers crossed that one does not pop up on streaming like tomorrow. They're like, oh fuck no! I guess we gotta watch this shit. I, I think all the Rocky films are on. Oh, it's one of the streaming services. I just saw oh, them, so you they might are not might be really ready, man. All five. <laughs> yes, oh. all. There's more of them, man. There's Rocky Balboa. There's. Oh, that's right. The new ones uh, too. You could even put the Creed films into those things. I like the first two Creed. I haven't seen the third one yet, but I like Creed 1 and Creed 2. Yeah, I've only seen Creed 1, and Creed 1 I, I really love. I think it's good, yeah. but I'm a big Michael B. Jordan fan, yeah. though. So. He knows how to make a movie. 
pretty fucking good. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's talk about one that we had fun with, but maybe, you know, may not be considered a good movie. Uh, let's get back to Cobra here. As far as this movie goes, for those unaware of the general plot, it's essentially, you know, if you've seen any 80s cop movie, you know the basic formula. Uh, there's a really tough, uh, hard-on-crime cop who doesn't really, uh, he plays by the rules-ish, and he's the one guy they can uh, bring in to save the city from whatever deranged lunatic is yeah, here to strike. Uh, it just happens in this movie, it's one, uh, what's his, he's the night st- slasher, right? The killer in this night one? Night slasher, slasher. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And uh, he's played by a guy, Brian Thompson. He's a character actor from the 80s. Like, I'm sure if you've seen Cobra, you know, you've seen this guy elsewhere. I guarantee you've seen his face elsewhere. He just shows up and he's got a very, a very strong jawline. You know what I mean? So he's, he's instantly recognizable when you see him. 100%. Like, uh, what was the guy from uh, from Samurai Cop and Maniac Cop and all that? Oh, big boy, jaw? I don't even remember that guy's name. I can't name. remember his name. Yeah. David something, I think. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm glad that I can't name that one. Off Robert Zadar, I'm sorry. There we go. Yeah. There you go. He has, he's not as a Dar-level chin, but it, it's up there. Uh, it, what I found interesting about this movie, in the past... I don't know, a few weeks <laughs> since we first talked about watching this, I threw one way or another have ended up watching this movie five times in the past couple of weeks. Woo-hoo. One of which I say was not my fault because I just in the past couple of days, uh, Rift Tracks put out a Rift Tracks for Cobra. So I was like, well, how could I not fucking no watch way. it? Like, how could I not watch this one more time? So I did. Oh, man. Oh, I need to get that. Pretty good. Pretty entertaining. Uh, but I noticed something very early on, like in round... Three, I think I watched this movie. Uh, the movie is about a night slasher, and the, the, you know he's terrorizing L.A. And uh, there's only one cop tough enough to take him down. And you know the night slasher, he's like a very charismatic kind of Koreshian guy. He's large, and he's uh, he's Fight Club and Tyler Durdening, all these people around him, getting him up to go in and thrash the city and stuff, and do general chaos. Uh, so you can imagine, like the opening in the movie. Uh, after they get through Sloan's introduction scene, like they show the Night Stalker do, or Night Slasher doing some night slashing. Uh, he and his roving gang are coming upon random victims, and they're just getting into general terror. Uh, it, it happens throughout spots throughout the entire movie. I will say, though, one very interesting thing about this movie is I don't know if you noticed this or not. Uh, throughout all the night slashing scenes, like when the Night Slasher is actually attacking and, and killing these people, it, pri- primarily women, like that's his that's his M.O. on this. Uh, there are no actual physical scenes of violence carried out against women in this movie. I, Wow. I mean... Until... Do you until count? I will say it very deep in the third act when the very first lady harmed in this movie is done so by none other than Marion Cobretti when he shoots dirty cop Nancy Stock. I, yeah, well, I was gonna I was act. gonna call that, but I would also say you know in the second act, as we are at the hospital, no, she, we'll, we'll talk about actually, that as we get there. Nobody's actually touched on screen; it's all off screen. Uh, it is. Nah, I guarantee well, you, it is. I, I will argue that the nurse no. she was no, touched. Uh, he uh, he he put a hand around her mouth, but no actual violence. Like all they show is her hand dragging a blanket down after that. You don't actually show him like okay, stabbing well, her. Or it's nothing. implied. Yeah, well, for sure. Okay, yeah, no, well, it's implied as a motherfucker. Yeah. But it's just interesting that like <laughs> it's almost it, there's very little swearing in this movie too. It's almost like as they were making it, they're like, we need to set this up for TBS immediately. So they really, <laughs> they really kind of went. Uh, at least on the theatrical version that was released that we've all seen, it doesn't seem too hardcore. But now apparently, like from research and into this, like they're. 
there was a previous director's cut of this movie that no one's actually seen. Am I to understand this, like, where it's more intense? Like, that's where all the hardcore stuff was in the director's okay. cut? So, to, to go on a little history of this film, yes, to answer your question, there there is out a work cut that's supposedly out mm-hmm. there. Maybe you can find, it, like, some Comic-Cons or something. Because um, originally this film was shot... It, it uh, the final product came in about 130 minutes long. Wow, really? So that's that's well over two yeah. hours. That's a lot for a, for an action film. That's a goddamn Marvel movie runtime and right there. <laughs> this thing went to the MPAA. The MPA came back and said, uh, 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 we're giving this an all sorts of crazy shit. So they already had to start cutting that thing down. And they, they get it down to a very slim 87 minutes here. It's just, just enough to get it into theaters. So right? it was over two hours long. They got it down to 80 some odd minutes. And you can see it throughout this film. If you watch this film, I mean, there is no character development now anymore. No character arcs. There's plot holes throughout this thing. I mean, they had to slim this thing down. Yeah. Let, so. No, go ahead. Yeah. The other side of that is also, they were also. The studio was under pressure to get this thing under the two-hour time mark as well because it was going up some pretty heavy hitters in 1986. It released right around the time of what other somewhat big movie? (laughs) Probably one of the biggest of 1986, Tom Cruise's Top Gun. Oh, shit. Absolutely. It was an amazing hit, huge hit. It was probably the biggest film of that year. And yeah, I had to go up against them. So could you imagine being a week away from releasing Cobra and seeing the box office over Top Gun does how you would be feeling in the pit of your stomach that Monday morning? It's like, oh my god, we're gonna get annihilated. I mean, yeah, nowadays I mean, studios <laughs> just back it out and say, hey, yeah. we're we're releasing you in Christmas, right. so we're gonna put you in February, yeah. whenever. See you on you HBO know, Max then, in six months, asshole. You're not you're not seeing theaters. Yeah, yeah. Warner Brothers, though, at this time, they were just like, well, we we paid $25 million for this thing. We are going to put it out there. And, I mean, and respectively, it does pretty well. So, so it, it does make its money back. But. Yeah, it, it made it an absolute gist, a, a ridiculous sum of money. Uh, like in today's money, they'd be like a half million or a half billion, probably something ridiculous like that. But I got to say, when they actually cut down the story. Like they actually did full on reshoots for this too. So whatever budget, whatever the budget was at, they had to, they had to add to that by doing all this unnecessary cuts and stuff, right. To get it under two hours. If it, it you'd think reasonably it would have to, um, I don't see how this thing came in under budget and they were like, Oh, we have a couple more mill to play with. Let's go redo some stuff. I mean, this is Stallone after all, once again, you've got Stallone. He's kind of the king of the world at this point. He's got, you know, the films we talked about, Rocky Four and yeah. Rambo Two and all those, you know. So the studio is probably going to give the guy a little leeway and say, okay, yeah, here's a little extra money. Go finish your project. For, sure. for all intents and purposes, this is Stallone's movie. He's a co-writer on this thing. It is very arguable. And Oof. from the stories that you can read about on set, he was basically the director on set, even though George P. Cosmatos, yeah. uh, the director of Rambo Two. It was actually credited as director on this thing, but they said whenever Stallone was on set, uh, you know, he was lining up the shots, getting people up in line, you know, doing the coordination, doing everything that a director would do. And Cosmatos is kind of sitting on the side being like, okay, yeah, I mean. Doesn't want to argue with Sly on that one because I'd assume the studio would replace the director over Stallone on that one. (laughs) Yeah. Came down to it. Yeah, but apparently, apparently, uh, the whole stories also go that once Stallone was off off set, like, yeah, can you hear me? Fifteen and a half. 
Did I lose you? Uh, I can still hear you. Hold on. I can hear you typing now. Okay, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, I, I couldn't hear you for a minute there. Oh, man. This piece of shit. That's right, I wrote down the time. What were, what were we talking okay. about that exact moment? Uh, we were talking about Stallone being the director. Oh, okay, got it. All right. Um, shit, how do we jump back into that? Let's see. Um, okay, we, we can just start with the, with, with go back to the beginning of the movie and just, you know, actually start it properly. I'll write down the time. All right, 16.30. Okay. All right, so before we get too into the actual details of the movie here, let's start at the very beginning so we can kind of go through the, quote, plot of this. Uh, as the movie opens up, it's just a... It's Stallone doing a voiceover that's... I, I think it's... Does it come off as confusing? Because the way the way it's set up is they're showing uh, Cobretti's, like, a uh, customized gun, and Stallone's given this this very, you know, dark monologue. Every 13 minutes is the murder committed, and he's given all the stats about all the violent crimes committed in L.A. and things like that. Uh, but uh, the way he's listing off the facts, does it seem like he's the one committing the crimes and they're not done by other people? Because right. <laughs> the wording <laughs> of the exact speech he gives is a little weird. When he's well, detailing the crimes, you know what I mean? Like, it's almost like he's bragging about it in a way, like at first. Well, I mean, this this whole movie is about a message against, uh, you know, the system. And Oh, my God. Is that how, what this movie's about? I'm wildly misunderstood. Nothing works. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's leaving off. I mean, this is, to, remember, this is the 80s, you know, the Reagan 80s. So oh, yeah. there was this start of the war on crime. We had crack cocaine really coming into its own here. And there was just a crackdown to you know, punish all wrongdoers, right? Put them all behind bars. Right. So, and this is kind of a commentary on some of that. Really? You, can, you can kind of read into it. Uh, oh yeah. So as we get into the plot here, you're going to, you're going to realize that this movie sounds vaguely familiar to a movie from the seventies. If you haven't seen it already, uh, that would be Clint Eastwood's dirty Harry. Um, you know, I've never actually seen dirty Harry. Okay, well, that's worth a watch. I would recommend that you watch. I mean, the series, you can watch the this Dirty Harry series. Some of it's pretty entertaining. Oh, boy. Um, but definitely watch the first because that's what that movie is about. That's Clint Eastwood? It's all social. Yeah, Damn. it's Clint Eastwood. It's all social commentary on how the system doesn't work. And sometimes the law has to take, you know, it's, you know, needs to go beyond beyond just, you know, the courts and say, okay, <laughs> I'm going to be the judge during execution. It's like Judge Dredd. Ter- yeah. yeah, that's what Detective... Uh, uh, God, I can't remember Dirty his first name. His, his last name is Callahan. Oh, I thought his last name was Dirty. Yeah, <laughs> so I call him Dirty Harry. He's like your last name first, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 a good watch. But it's yeah, and if you, I don't know how much you read into the background of this movie, but Cobra has some some pretty strong ties to that with uh, two of its co-stars in that, Andrew Robinson and Rennie Centauri. Uh, Rennie Centauri plays Gonzalez and Detective Monty. Oh, yeah. Andrew Robinson is Detective Monty. Those guys were both in Dirty Harry. As cops? So, yep. Oh, no, well, uh, Gonzalez was, uh, or Rennie Centauri was actually a partner that comes along and pairs up with uh, uh, Dirty Harry. Yeah. And then Andrew Robinson actually plays the bad guy, the the, the, oh, wow. the killer who's ravaging the city. Yeah, um, he so plays a killer in that movie. He's so he plays a killer in Cobra. 
Well, he, he does. The, the only two movies that I really know that guy from is Dirty Harry and Hellraiser. And oh, he plays shit. a pretty scary looking guy in that one, too. Yeah, he does. So. The, so for what he, what I do know him from, he's a pretty intimidating guy, uh, at least on screen. Really? Yeah. I mean, he played like so in Dirty Harry. He's he's pretty scary, um, in a way. I mean, he's just kind of like a no. He's kind of a, a mentally insane guy. Yeah. And Dirty Harry has to go out there and stomp on whoever's rights he has to, you know, because that that's kind of the theme of that movie is like you know. Where do you draw the line of the rights of the criminal yeah. to the rights of their victim and stuff like that? And you can definitely say, especially in the first scene of this film, you know, where they're pulling from that film and saying, yeah, we want to bring some of that messaging into this thing. Um, whether you agree with it or not, that's up to you to decide. Right. But, uh, you know, I myself don't feel that cops need to be judge, juries, and executioners. Yeah. But, yeah, Stallone, I think he wanted to try to go down that route. He wanted to... As he states it, he wanted to mix a little bit of horror with the action genre and then make a, make social commentary on law enforcement and, you know, the whole <laughs> justice system itself. You know, I got to say, if you watch the 86-minute movie that they're, 89-minute movie they released, none of that uh, translates across. So, what? so very, very little of it does. It, there's, <laughs> there's little points of it, and I will probably bring them up as we get there. Because okay. there's just little one-lines that are dropped by certain characters. Yeah. Uh, Stallone included that I will say, yeah, this is where I pick up on that theme. Right. But it doesn't go anywhere. You're absolutely correct. Because this movie's been chopped down so much, you don't have time to really explore these themes and these ideas. Yeah. And, you know, explore the commentary on that and make a statement. No, you just got to make sure that there's some action going on and that the plot gets moved forward somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way the movie opens too, it, it's an all too familiar scene. Like it, it, it feels very, very different watching the movie these days, given oh, what's boy. going on in, you know, in, in our country. Like, cause it opens up with a, you know, a, a lone gunman in a grocery store, and it's like Jesus Christ. Like this is, you know, back then it, yeah. it seemed silly. Today it's like, oh fuck, man! It's like, why do we need to see yeah. this movie? It's like it's happening outside. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, it happens every other day. Yeah, now. no fucking yeah. shit. So it's uh, really kind of crazy. A lone gunman in a grocery store takes a bunch of hostages, and you know. Uh, negotiations are at a failing point so it's determined then they need to call in their their elite uh group of badasses and, and they call specialist. it a specialist yeah they call him call in the cobra like it, it, he's uh he's part of a zombie squad but as far as i can tell the entire squad is just comprised of two people like he and gonzalez so i don't know what the fuck the rest of the squad is like it's just he and his partner sergeant gonzalez right that are the squad the zombie squad yeah this is this has been confusing to me whenever i've watched this film is it's not exactly clear because it says yes yeah, the bottom line right it seems like that's where you <laughs> you send people that you don't want to deal with but the way it's they like the night's watching is... fucking game of thrones or something send them to the wall yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're. Yeah, exactly. You know, because I mean, hell, he comes in wearing a long black jacket, <laughs> so I mean, it's almost the same damn thing. It's just the tightest <laughs> jeans and his adorable little shoes in this fucking movie. Like they're 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 honestly got elf shoes. They're black. They have little gold bars on them, like on the front. Buckles, yeah. It's ridiculous, man. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just... And he just comes in. Yeah, he comes in there walking with that that pistol just down his jeans, man. Yeah. I mean, just the front. Matchstick I mean, hanging out of his yeah. mouth because that's completely regular thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they're on the zombie squad, and the, so you either take it as like zombie squad is where they just put them there, or you you take it to mean that they are the elite group that they deal with problems that nobody else can deal with or wants to deal with. So that's what they're there for. You know, they're there to deal with all the sickos. Yeah. Um, I read somewhere that it was kind of loosely based on a, 
European one European country had like a, a police force that had something called the zombie squad, but they dealt with unusual problems. Like they were very specialized in what they did. Like actual zombies but, and shit. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> right after twenty eight days later right, they came yeah. out with it. Like, you we know? need a squad to handle this, I think. <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, Cobra then, it, it, as he shows up, he he gets the rundown from his his higher ups. Like I don't know if one of them is the actual chief, but they're just they're they're in his chain of command. But I don't think they're actual like you know. There's no actual commissioner. Like I'm gonna yeah. call you down and bust your ass, Cobra. Like it's just you know. Art Art Lafleur plays the captain, right? And uh, Detective Monty, he's just he's just a detective that works there, and he doesn't like Cobra. Doesn't yeah? He he doesn't like the fact he doesn't play by the rules, and he doesn't like the fact he's all handsome yeah. and drives a cool car, all that other shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, so after he gets, yeah, he might be might be just projecting a little <laughs> it might bit. Might be a bit. Yeah, I know. They just dope thick hair. I mean, it's ridiculous. This guy. Uh, so, Cobra's first interaction with this killer is like he doesn't go in as a negotiator. Like he's going in just to straight up take care of this motherfucker. So it, he's almost. It, it turns into a bit of a of a half-assed cat and mouse where he's sort of playing games with this guy a bit. Like he's he's moving around the grocery store and he's calling out on the PA system and he drinks a, a, a partially, like a, he partially drinks a warm Coors Light like a fucking maniac yes. and puts it back on the rat. It's just, there's all sorts of weird decisions. Uh, but the most comical thing about it is, is that after he threatens this guy's life, you know, it, it, actually pushing the killer to do something more deranged, I don't know how it happens because uh, in the scene where Cobra actually confronts the guy physically is that they're in the, the back of the meat counter. Like they're behind the glass. Like the guy has a couple hostages back there, and he's got like a bomb on him and a and some wires and shit. Like you've seen movies. Like you know what he's wearing. Uh, what well, Cobra comes in from the front of the store and is coming towards the guy essentially, like it, in the start of the scene. And out of fucking nowhere, he appears from behind the. He pops out of the freezer behind the guy. The freezer. Yeah. So did he actually like move cartons of milk and shit and go whittling through a door? Like I want to see that part of the movie. Like I felt that was important to know. But anyway, so he pops out from behind the guy in his little boots and he, he fucking throws a knife in his chest and then he shoots him. Like yeah. it, it was like holy shit! Like that is tells him to drop it too. Yeah, drop <laughs> it. He stabs him with a knife. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So the drop it definitely came second, right? Yeah, okay. and it almost feel like that was eighty yard in. Oh, later, bit. yeah. I don't. I didn't see Stallone's mouth move when he's saying it. Yeah, they definitely just piped it in later. They looped it. Like you got to say it freeze or something. I don't know. It looks really. Yeah, weird. you got to be a good guy. Yeah, you got to be a good guy here. Uh, so he deals with the guy. He rescues everybody, and then uh, this is where we're first introduced to the night slasher. Till I seem we discussed where he's firing everybody up, and they're in like a, a a dilapidated old warehouse, and there's just barrels of fire, and there's chains everywhere, water dripping. Like if you saw Freddy or a xenomorph there, they wouldn't be out of place. Like you know, just to set the picture for the, for where they're at. And then it's at this point that uh, he gets up to some night slashing, and then. Uh, we check in with Cobra and his group of cops and Cobra has a theory about the night slasher and his theory is sort on the money, but his higher ups don't believe him kind of thing. So they say, go out and beat the streets, like go, go out and talk to people to find this guy. <laughs> and then, so uh, the movie was over well over two hours long, cut down to under 90 minutes. Um, you wouldn't expect as many musical montages in a movie where they cut out so much plot, but man, they could have. They had. Uh, this is our first of many montages. Is where we get um, Cobretti and Gonzalez literally just walking the street, talking to people to music like that's and it's not just a it's a fuck it's a whole fucking song and this is also the point like we're introduced to Brigitte Nielsen's character too, right? Where she's doing the the modeling against the robots. Yeah. Right. <laughs> We'll get there. <laughs> right, the robot modeling, this is it. 
<laughs> yeah, so you said, yeah, this is a, we get a lot of montages here. We do. We absolutely do. But there's a good explanation for that, because as I is said there? earlier, yeah, because this is Stallone <laughs> directing the movie. It was not George P. Cosmatos. Oh, man. But you they know? kind of filled in plot. Like, instead, they, we get this shitty soundtrack of the, the people just doing stuff. Like, we, they can't give us, like, character arc or anything, you know? Well, I mean, this is Stallone doing what he knows, right? <laughs> so every film that he does, that he has a hand in directing, writing, whatever, he's going to montage. Because montage is very shorthand for writing. You know, it's an easy way to, hey, show oh the passage God, of time. You are absolutely correct. So, I, like, I'm getting hits of montages from all his fucking movies. Jesus. Oh, it's, it's a staple of his movies. I mean, it's, wow. it's, it's, it's in a lot of movies. So he's not the only one guilty yeah. of using it. It, no, it is a good but tool he you can use. uses it a fucking lot now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, so if you kind of go back and watch, like you've already said you've seen this film five times now. Yeah. Um, you know, I think you could probably go back, you could watch uh, the Rambo movies, you could watch some of the Rocky movies. You mm-hmm. will see a lot of the same visual style come out lots of close-ups lots of you know camera (laughs) movement stuff like that you will see a lot of the same stuff done again you know that's that's how you know stallone was in charge of this production here yeah it's got stallone written all over it when you see it Um, an interesting side note to stallone reusing things uh this movie was directly after rocky four yep um at one point in the movie, uh, when like this is this is well into the movie, like and you know we'll get back to this part later, but it's just something quick to bring up is that uh, something he reused from Rocky Four is that remember when he is in uh, Russia and he's getting ready to fight Drago and he shows up in that leather coat with like the big wool on it and like yeah. that little little dumbass hat that hat. Uh, Brigitte Nielsen is wearing that exact outfit in Cobra in, in a later scene in the movie. She's yes. wearing the exact jacket and hat. Yes, and uh, is that a coincidence? Probably not. Probably not, because, you know, they met on Rocky Four, and here they are making another movie. Yeah, so now. it wasn't uh, shortly after this movie that they were actually, or they might have been married this time. I don't remember exactly when they got married, if it was. I think uh, they were at this time. I think, it. yeah, they either, they, yeah, they met on the set of Rocky Four, as you said. Yeah, got, they were already married here, and... <laughs> there's a there's a funny side story to this that that allegedly took place on the set there where Stallone was getting pissed at Cosmatos and the rest of the crew because he's like, hey, we're falling behind in production, and being Cosmatos, you know, who has the repu- who had the reputation and the stories go along with it as he's just tyrannical on set. He basically oh, really? just told Stallone, he's like, look we wouldn't be so far behind if you'd stop showing off to your bodyguards and get your hands off of the ass of, of Brigitte Nielsen. Holy shit. Yeah. Said this to his face and apparently, yeah, Stallone, I mean, this is all alleged because I mean, this is just stuff I've read. Um, right. But yeah, apparently Stallone was like kind of taken aback that anybody would like talk to him. And oh, for it, sure. it kind of worked for him because he was kind of like, okay, yeah, let's get to work. And they, so it, it helped for a couple of weeks, but I guess he kind of fell back into his old ways. Um, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a funny story. Yeah, that I heard that. Yeah. Weeks. Cause that, that's, that's balls to say to somebody of Stallone stature back then and say, Oh, for sure. Yeah. And then say, Hey, get your hands. You know, if you got, keep your hands off your ass of your either wife or soon to be wife, you know? Right. So yeah, she, uh, she had an interesting quote about him. She said that he was a horrible husband, but, uh, yeah. but they were only but married for like two years. Producer, but as a writer, producer, producer, and director, she kind of respects what he does. But he's a terrible husband. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, they, they were only married for about two years before they divorced. Hey, that's uh, a lifetime he, in Stallone years in the eighties. I'm yeah, sure. He was he was thirty nine at the time. She was twenty two. 
Jesus Christ, really? Yeah, I I thought she was always older in this film, but apparently, yeah, she's 22 in this movie. It's just because she's super tall, you know? She's extremely tall, yes. And Stallone is, is he's he's hobbity, you know? Yeah, he's a very, he's, he's much super like, hobbity. much like Tom Cruise. They, yeah, he's just, he, they have to kind of build him up and put him in lifts, <laughs> do whatever he got to. Because, yeah, he's not a tall guy. I don't think no, he's, he's as not. short as Tom Cruise, but he's definitely, uh, on the shorter end, as as most leading men are in Hollywood, most of them are always about that height. They're never really tall people. Yeah, but I think he might be particularly short. Yeah, I don't, I don't like, know exactly how tall like he is. Five seven ish somewhere. In there. Yeah, and that, like I said, I think that's about average for leading men in Hollywood for a lot of them. Wow. Yeah, it's not a common thing to have tall leading men. Huh. Weird. So yeah, so yeah, Robert Downey Jr. He's like another one. Like he's he's about that tall too. Oh yeah, he's a sprite. Yep. He's so tiny. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's no, um, it is no coincidence, though, that Bridget Nielsen does get the, uh, you know, play the role of the girlfriend, you know, the love interest here in this film, you know. She, yeah. They're, she, they're together. She's the, the survivor girl, for lack of a better term. So uh, during the montage, there's a modeling gig to establish that Bridget Nielsen is, is a tall, pretty model because, you know, it wasn't obvious just from looking at her face. Uh, so they Except have this whole modeling wig scene. She's wearing. Yeah, <laughs> there were some interesting bad. choices there, but you know, it, it, Stallone put her in clothes he wanted to see her, and I'm sure that's exactly how that went down. Just <laughs> given how you how it, it you know, yes. he directed the movie pretty much. He's like, go wear this, put that wig on, dance to this, and we need a bunch of robots. Let's go. Yes. <laughs> He's like we're making magic here, people. Uh, sorry, after after. Uh, the montage scene, it's just uh, Brigitte Nielsen and her manager. Um, he's walking her to her car. Can, we, for can we talk about how 80s this is, too? Man, right? Because, I mean, this is before Clarence Thomas anything, but there is the this is like the most sexual harassment I've ever seen on film. Dude, you know, thank even, you. Like, I couldn't even believe more than what like he was, that just movie started disclosure. talking to her like that. It's like, what the hell is going on here? Yeah, do you remember like in the '90s that movie Disclosure with Demi Moore and Michael Douglas? Like, there's yeah. there's more sexual harassment going on in this like two minute clip than there is movie. in that entire yeah. film. <laughs> like, yeah. the guy is basically just saying, "You need to sleep with me. Uh, it's good for your career." <laughs> he uses those those very words. <laughs> yes, he's like, "Don't do it for me. Do it for your career." Oh my I mean, god, I'm, man! I can't believe it. I was like, "Oh my." But how many times do you think she's heard bullshit like that, especially trying to break into Hollywood in that time? You know what well, I mean? Before Rocky yeah. Four. Me, I mean, look, I've never been in Hollywood, but I guarantee that that behavior absolutely still goes on to this day. Oh, like, like hate, incredibly yeah. horribly. You know, yeah, I'm sure it happens. So. You know, it's, I mean, and this is even a post, you know, oh God, I can't, I don't even want to remember his name now. Uh, the guy, from, just, the guy from Miramax. Um, yeah. Oh, uh, fucking Weinstein. Weinstein. Thank you. Yes, that yeah. piece of shit. Um, mm-hmm. Yes. So I mean, but I guarantee it still happens out there. Sadly, um, but yeah. I mean, I guarantee it, it had to have been just a billion times worse back then. And especially oh, like she, sure. she was a supermodel at the time. So yeah, of course yep. people would be saying that same stuff to him. Yeah. And how like that's the guy's like only lines basically except for screaming for help because as they're walking through the parking lot, uh, they get night slashed like or uh, or, or attempted night slashed, right? Like, and we have no. to set that up a little bit because there was prior to this while Stallone is doing his oh shit that's his right walk through, yep. you know, yep, yep, yep. the night slasher is once again killing another person, and yep. Bridget Nielsen just happens to roll up on the crime scene, catches yeah, she- Brian Thompson's character, the night slasher, there gets a good look at him and then takes off. Yep. 
Yep, so. and uh, and and uh, he has a lady with him, the Night Slasher, who reads her license plate, and as it turns out, in a later scene, this lady is a cop. Yeah, she's a so mole inside the got, LAPD. Yeah, the Night Slasher has his has his fingers in many dirty little pies in that city. He's very connected. Yeah, as this you notice, oafy bastard. Like in the start of this movie, when they're in their little horror chamber, as you described it. Yeah. You know, there's all sorts of people just banging axes and hatchets and whatever they and got. Yeah. But I mean, there's guys in like three-piece suits doing that in there, so they're yeah. trying to show that it's like, yeah, they've infiltrated every section of society. Jesus. It's it's really stupid. Like, <laughs> this is, I mean, because this is where the plot of the movie kind of starts to defy some reality. Because <laughs> That's where it nobody starts. knows who the Night Slasher is, right? Right. And so now they, they got their first witness that says, okay, somebody has actually seen somebody. And the only and- thing she really provides is a sketch yep. of the killer. Kind of looks but, like Frankenstein a bit, I mean, to be fair. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like but, in the but sketch. to be honest, I mean, these guys all wear masks. He's got, like, nylons over his face. So you can't really tell. Like, obviously, this guy's not walking around shopping, right? He just, he looks no. sweaty and gross. Like he, like, he hasn't taken a shower in four weeks. Oh, dude, so, he's slathered in baby oil like he's wrestling Saturday night's main event. Like, oh, you know man. What I mean? He's so baby oiled in this movie. But, so this is where I think it's really ridiculous that the Night Slasher who controls this army yep. just commits all his forces to, mm-hmm. I mean, and, and just goes to war in the city of L.A. Yep. to track down Bridget Nielsen mm-hmm. because they're afraid that he's going to be identified. Right. Which this can't is in, be. This is in the mid-80s. Like, it's not like today. Like, the this guy could walk into the police station, sit down, and have lunch. Everybody would walk right by him. Like, yes. They would no fucking recognize him whatsoever. I mean, Stallone's going through his records. He's going through all the mug shots, <laughs> you know, comparing it to the sketch. He's not finding anything. Nobody has a goddamn clue. But for some reason, like, they've got to, like, well, we just have to kill this lady. She saw right. you. And even right. though she didn't see the murder, she just, mm-hmm. she saw you. So. Right. So then, uh... The dirty cop, uh, Nancy, she she digs in the police computer. She finds out, uh, you know, where Brigitte lives and all that. And that's how they then find where she's working because that's an easy leap to make, apparently. Yeah, yeah. how do they uh, get that, by the way? I don't understand. I don't okay, but going on. Yeah, move on here. Yeah. So. Well, it's, why does Swayze have his fucking college transcripts and his fucking medical records? In, in <laughs> that's that's just, true. He ignores But that's sometimes. because he's a walking Zen master. So. Oh, God damn it. We're going to do that oh. movie one day. Yeah. Oh, it might be a three-part episode fucking that movie. <laughs> yes. that. Lots to talk about. Elements. Yeah, for sure. Um, so anyway, uh, the Night Slasher and crew, they, they find uh, Brigitte and her sleazy manager, and he's dealt with. Um, she's slightly, like, she gets away, but they still take her to the hospital, and she meets Cobra for the first time and all that. And then, uh, you know, they leave armed guards with her and everything, and, and Cobra goes back to his apartment. And this is the first time we kind of see his personal life. And No, we got to see it this, before. We, we saw it before. Was it? Yeah, he went home during the daytime. And it kind of, oh, it was just, okay. it was just this some is his plot. first interaction with with the yeah okay so he goes back to his apartment at some at some point early on in the movie and this is where we get a peek of his I guess Cobretti like in his chill zone yeah so, his like, sad life the, the scene starts off very interestingly he rolls up on the beach uh, you know he lives on the beach he's trying to park his car he gets into a beef uh, with with a group of guys and they're all acting really tough and he literally just gets out punks this guy rips his shirt off and just walks the fuck away like it's a very 
<laughs> after he is pushes his car with his car. Like that scene, like that scene served no purpose whatsoever, right? Like it was absolutely not needed. <laughs> it, wasn't it wasn't. It? Yeah, it's Him just there to this guy's shirt. It's just there to like pump up Stallone's ego and show, yeah, Cobretti's just right. a no nonsense guy. Nobody parks in his spot. <laughs> Nobody parks in my he spot will, on this public street. <laughs> he will once again violate anybody's rights because he's correct, <laughs> and and these guys are obviously riffraff, so they don't have any rights. So I'm just gonna yeah. push their car with my car, and yep. then yeah. Go up and rip the guy's, uh, you know, fucking T-shirt off. Tank and, top, right? There's yeah. tank top right off him. And and this is one thing I don't remember now because I couldn't find anything on this whether or not because mm-hmm. when you rip when he got rips the guy's shirt off, there's a microphone taped to the guy's chest. Now yes. the, the question is now was he mic'd because he was supposed to be mic'd because he had speaking role and he was just on camera, or was it because he's supposed to be some narc, you know, who's setting up other people and being called I, out? I, think- I don't know. I, I think you're trying to make, like, I like that one, but that makes the movie way cooler than what it is. I think yes. they legit just forgot this guy had a mic on there. Like, fuck it, that's, keep rolling. That's more what I've read <laughs> is that, yeah, I think Stallone just forgot the guy was mic'd on his chest. They weren't using yeah. a boom mic or something. And yeah, he just rips it off. Because the guy also plays it off like, oh, yeah, fuck you, man. Right. Yeah, it's really weird. And then Cobra goes inside his apartment, which it's stark white. Yeah. I mean, it, the walls, collect. the floors, yeah, the, the fucking, the, uh, like, the furniture. And then even in the house, he's got, uh, he's got one of those weird clear, uh, plexiglass, like, uh, like, doodling boards, like, the like ones they were using on Yavin and shit to yeah. fucking plot the rebellion. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's got this in his apartment. He's got a little TV, uh, there's, like, a telescope in the background. But then the weirdest scene, probably in the movie, uh, occurs... He goes to his fridge and he's rooting around. He in goes his to fridge. his freezer, not the fridge. Oh God! The freezer. It's worse. It's worse than I remember. Fuck. <laughs> and he retrieves what exactly from his freezer? Do you remember? He retrieves a pizza box. Thank you. And another box. Um, an egg carton. Yeah, an egg carton, <laughs> which turns out to have gun cleaning supplies in it that he keeps in the freezer. Yes. Which yeah. Well, I don't I'll, know. We'll get into that because there's. Is that a thing? Is that what people do? I don't think so because I think it would be a hard thing for your oil because the oil would co- coagulate oh, shit, and right. yeah. freeze. I don't think anything would work too well. And he's oh got a – and I, I just caught this on the last time I viewed this too. Like I, was, I remember him pulling the pizza box out and yeah. he opens it up and there's a slice yep. of pizza. And it's a pretty good slice of pizza. This, this yep. slice of pizza did not originally come in this pizza box because – the pizza is too big. The slice is too big. Like it came from a large pizza and this pizza box is like medium. This is the kind of shit I was noticing in this thing last time I watched it. If you didn't notice it, go back and watch it and you'll just see the size of that pizza slice compared to the box. It's just ridiculous. Well, the gargantuan size of the slice is why he does the most interesting thing he's ever done on film. I don't get, but yeah, go for it. Yeah, he, uh, he takes a pair of large kitchen shears and cuts the pizza in half like some kind of a fucking monster. <laughs> like, if I use it scissors, it goes right down in the middle of it. And it just starts eating it like it's no big deal. Yeah, just the, the front, like, third of the pizza, the front corner. The, it's like yeah. this little triangle. And he yeah. pops that in his mouth, puts the other piece of pizza in the box, and puts the box away. Yeah, like, it's maddening. <laughs> like, I don't understand any motivation behind this scene. And it bothers me. Every time I watch it, I'm like, I don't know why this bugs me so much, but just cut it the right way. Fucking do something traditional here, Cobra. Like, all he's missing, seriously, is like a pet iguana or something to make him more of a fucking, you know, of a loose cannon, like, in that apartment. Like, did they play with the with the notion of giving him, like, a parrot or something weird as, like, a, a zany pet? <laughs> Maybe. You know? I couldn't find anything, but I'm sure it was fit. Jesus. Like, Stallone, oh, remember, man. Stallone was a writer on this thing, so. Maddening. And he... 
he does have the ability to write, like when he wants to. Like, was he was he just kind of fun of this one in a bit or what? So <laughs> you know what I mean? let's let's take a quick side note here about where this movie came from. <laughs> so if yeah. if you didn't know this. Stallone was originally cast or was going to be cast as Axel Foley in Beverly Hills Cop. What the fuck? The movie was written for him. He got the script, went, started going through it. You know, Paramount sent it to him. He started going through it. Didn't like everything that was going on with it. Um, I guess Jerry Bruckheimer was a producer on it. Like Bruckheimer always wanted Eddie Murphy, but they, but the, you know, the studio Paramount said, "Hey, we want Stallone." You know, his big name. Yeah. So the the script ends up in Stallone's hand. He starts going through this stuff and starts changing things up. So eventually what Stallone changes it to, he takes it away from a comedy action to just an action film. And oh, Jesus. they ended up estimating that he probably added like $14 million to the budget of that film. Holy shit. So ultimately Paramount says, no, it's not worth it. We're, we don't, we'll, we'll go with it. <laughs> and much to, you know, you know, Bruckheimer's happiness, you know, he's, they, they go with Eddie Murphy and the rest is history because it's a tremendous film. I love that film. Classic. Um, I, Absolute classic. I can't classic. see anything else than, you know, Axel Foley uh, or Eddie Murphy as Axel Foley. No, absolutely so, not. Yeah. So Stallone takes a lot of his ideas and he puts it into this movie when it comes time. Wow. So a lot of the things that came in here were what he was writing in for that Beverly Hills Cop. Because this movie is also based on a, on a book called Fair Game. Now, if you're familiar with that name, there was a terrible, terrible movie that came out in the mid '90s that starred at a one of the Billy Baldwin and uh, Cindy Crawford. I've seen that. It is a horrible film. If you remember, it. oh yeah, dog it's, shit. It's absolute awful. dog shit. Um, yeah. But that is also what this film is based on. It's basically yeah, a, a bunch of people, a cop who's trying to keep a witness alive from people who are trying to kill him. Holy shit. So they yeah. took that. Wow. They kind of com- they melded those ideas together and created this film. That's how, you know, Stallone came up with the, this character and everything. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, on Beverly Hills Cop, like he wanted his name to be Axel Cobretti so he could be called. Oh, my God. So, so he could be called, get this, the Motor City Cobra. Get the fuck out of here. That's, oh, my God. That's out there. Yeah, ridiculous. All right, well, there's the fucking title of the show right there. Right in that fucking name. Yeah. Motor City Cobra. The Motor City Cobra. What if, right? Shit, dude, oh my God. I re- Whatever timeline fucking that's in, like, listen, someone just beam us a copy. I would love to see that script. See that I mean, there. and maybe maybe it is just a lot like this. Um, oh my God. But yeah. The Motor City Cobra. So, yeah, I know oh, we've gotten off track here. I want to kind of get us back over to where we were. So, hey, man, this movie got yes, us off track. That's true. You, you don't take any onus for that whatsoever. There's so much in this film that we're not even going to talk about that we're going to have to just to keep this thing on a regular time schedule. But let's get. It's just too Yeah, ridiculous. so we get back to yeah. it. We're at the so hospital. Um, Ingrid Knutson, yeah. that's Bridget Nielsen's character, she has been sent to the hospital. Yep. And yeah, like we said, they, they provide a, a sketch to uh cobretti and cobretti goes back to his office at home to start going through his mug shots while um gonzalez he goes back no he stays he's supposed to stay at the hospital right he's yeah he's supposed to be at the hospital but he gets a call away because nancy the dirty cop calls him away so then brazit nielsen is basically at the hospital all by herself because the night slasher is gonna go do some slashing and take yeah care. so this movie I can see now where Stallone got his, uh, like he said, he wanted to mix a little horror and action. This guy obviously was a big <laughs> fan of the Halloween series because oh, dude. I don't know about you, but yep. I got Michael Myers all over this whole scene. 
I yep. Mean, yep. Look, Same here. Like the, the hand grab, the heavy breathing, like the jumpsuit, jump all that suit. shit. Yes, a janitor's jumpsuit. <laughs> and is. once again, yeah, just like in Halloween 2, that gem of a movie, like they're walking through mm-hmm. a hospital once again that has no lights in it. Like every light. Right. And nobody's on. there, yes. too. It's empty as and, shit. And that's a city yeah. hospital and nobody's there. Like, yes. I, I can almost explain away the Haddonfield one. Where it's like, okay, there's not right. going to be a ton of people there, but it's a pretty good size one. But this is Los it's Angeles It's the middle of County. Illinois, like, I get it, yeah. Yeah, and no, right. like, there's nothing going on there. Yeah, it's like, yep, we're just going to turn off all the lights and have one nurse on one floor. <laughs> oh, man, yeah, total Halloween. Excellent call. And, and by the way, yeah, the, the characters walking around and slashing people and stabbing people, so. Yeah, at random. Yeah. But this is, I will say, this is a creepy scene, though, because there is that... For the first time, you really feel like this guy is a hunter like Michael Myers. He's walking around. He's like slowly take. He takes out the the janitor, right? Takes his clothes, which also side note. How how does Brian uh, Thompson fit into that guy, that uh, janitor's jumpsuit? Because that guy clearly looked like he was like five foot two. And Brian Thompson looks like he's (laughs) six foot at least. But just like random Jedi fitting into every storm. That's true. That's true. Yes. Just gotta yeah, roll it sometimes. I, I, like it I digress. Yes. So yeah, he hunts <laughs> down the janitor. Um, he kills the nurse who's going around looking for things, and yes, supposedly off screen. Like he, I, I believe he killed the cop that was up there on that floor too. But they, they cut that scene out. I believe that's correct as well. Um, yeah. And then yeah, he finds Ingrid. Somehow he knows where mm-hmm. her room is too. I don't get that. Yeah, I don't know how he like they never show him checking a charger. Yeah, or maybe he, he just, got he maybe stocks, he got he the chart to from the nurse after he killed her. Mm, um, we'll, there you we'll, go. We'll say that happened, but yeah, right. And then yeah, here comes the scary scene because like he rips through, starts stabbing the bed, but it just so happens that Bridget Nielsen is not in her bed. She's in taking a piss. She opens the door, sees him there, and just closes that door. And this is, I mean, this mm-hmm. is the, probably the best acting I've ever seen Bridget Nielsen do. Um, and that says a lot because I mean it is no disrespect to her, but she's not a good actor. She she just doesn't have. I mean, knowledge. Red Sonia, Chained Heat, classics. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Those are the movies she like. Her two big claims to fame here were the two movies that came that she was coming off of to get this one, and that was Red Sonia yeah. and Rocky Four. And she doesn't do a whole hell of a lot of acting in either of those films. They're just they're not great. T- to be fair, she's not really given much to do in either one. Correct. <laughs> either. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're playing off an of Arnold in one, and then you're playing off a of Stallone in the other. Right. So. Yeah. But hey, those movies still have a special place in my heart, so I'm not going to totally dog her for that. For sure. Beverly Hills Cop 2 as well. She was terrific in that. I, I will actually give her some credit, at least for that one. I mean, she... She plays to her strengths on that one. I like Beverly Hills Cap too. I thought that one was pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, it's 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 slightly not yeah, as not as good as the first, one, but it's at least it's not as bad as the third one, right? right? So not as bad as the third. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> one day we'll talk about those films. Yes, one day. Oh um, please, yeah, for sure. But yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Sorry. So back to it. Uh, Cobra and Gonzalez show up, and they they manage to rescue Ingrid before she gets well, slashed. They don't even really rescue her. She she rescues herself. She's the one who, who she, turns like, the fire alarm on. Yeah, she gets down to the street as he's pulling. No, up she or hits the fire right? alarm and and everybody has to leave. Like all of a sudden, this yeah, we see how full this hospital. Oh is. yeah, like a bunch of people just flood in from out of nowhere. Yeah. Once again, they don't turn the lights on yeah. in the hospital. Like everybody's just running in a dark hospital to get out of there. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and th- that was far far too many people for him to slash all at once. Yeah. So he just had to he had, had to, to dip. 
Yeah, and a retreat. So they put her under protective custody under the, the watchful eye of uh, of Cobretti and Sergeant Gonzalez. And for some reason, too, they decided to throw a third officer on, which, as yes. you would uh, you would guess, is you know the night slashing cop Nancy Stock herself. So uh, the night star or the night slashers uh, second in command is now a part of the zombie squad, and they're going to keep an eye on Ingrid. And it's it's then that uh, we get another bit of a montage, like a driving montage. No, we get a car chase first, get, man. No, no, no. Is it the car chase after they do the French fries? No, nope. no, no. The, no, the it, car chase is, car is them burnt? leaving the hospital, getting ready to go oh, on the God. road trip. Oh no! But there's more than one car chase in this. Oh yes, there is. But this is the first one yeah. here because we get to see. We didn't even talk about Stallone's 1950 Mercury that he owns in this vehicle, like for this film. Like that's his own. It's, it's his, his car. real vehicle he owned, but uh, yeah, Warner Brothers like apparently had four others made and painted just like that, so they could beat the shit out of it. But yeah, really? I don't, I don't know if Stallone actually has a license plate that says "Awesome 50 on it, but dude, I guarantee he, he does. Probably does. Yes. Whatever age he is now, that's the number behind yeah, "Awesome." He, he just changes it up every other sure. year. Yeah, awesome seventy four, yes. awesome eighty three. You know what I mean? Yeah, it works. So yeah, but the, why awesome fifty? Was that ever it's explained, not explained in any Once again, like anywhere? None of this stuff is ever brought up. It's just noticed. I don't know. You're supposed to just like, oh, he's total badass. <laughs> and it's not like that's Cobra's catchphrase. He doesn't kill a bad guy and go awesome. No. Like there's no. He never says that fucking <laughs> word once in the movie. Nothing. Yeah, it just. It, but Jesus. They, they pan in on that thing right away. They focus on it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they're leaving the hospital. Jesus. And like I said, yep. this is how ridiculous it is that the Night Slasher just has to make an effort. So, like, two cars or three cars and six men total, I think, are dedicated to crash uh, Gonzalez's car, right? And then the Night Slasher yep. and another vehicle chase after Cobretti's car. And they go just on a and massive yeah. shootout throughout the city of Los Angeles and the outskirts. And, and it just culminates in a crash that, once again, makes no sense if you catch this. Um, apparently, the Night Slasher's car was supposed to smash into the boat first before Cobretti's does. And you can see that when they when his car flips. Because the, the car is yeah. actually there. But, you know. No yeah, shit. They, they ended up changing that in reshooting, I guess, and said, nope, Night Slasher just oh, gets man. away. So, yeah, that's our first car chase. And then. <laughs> but he was the one in pursuit. So he just. Yes. <laughs> Again, Once again, like, yeah. oh shit, too many people, I gotta yeah, go. Yeah, nobody else is around, but they just happen to see that Cobra gets out of his car shaking, but yeah. says, no, I, I know I've got a double barrel shotgun. <laughs> I, I, I'll catch this guy later on. Man, it's, yeah, it's... It makes... And it's not like he cackled like an evil villain or anything. He just fucking peaced yeah, out. Yeah, he's like, I got, we gotta get out of here. Right, we Maybe go. he assumed they were dead. So yeah, they, we get one more scene where we go back to the police uh, captain's office. And that's when they're all like, oh, this is crazy. It's the war zone, blah, blah, blah. We need some cooperation. You know, all the standard 80s captain tropes yeah. and all that shit. Yep. Um, yeah, but we get all of that crap. And then we get, once again, Monty's just giving, uh, you know, Cobretti a lot of shit and saying, yeah, we've tried it your way and you're going to kill everybody. Let her live, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, Oh, yeah, so then we then we're gonna get a move on, but I do want to make a note. Is this is this not the weirdest looking uh, police station you've ever seen? So I don't know if you noticed, but like the captain's office is right there, and you go right across the captain's office to the across the hall, and the shooting range is right over there. 
And yeah. even on a prior scene where they were walking in there, like I could have swore they rocked, walked right from the morgue right into the police office, right to his office. I just want to make a note of this. I think they did. Yeah, it's just in the hospital too. There was something where one of the rooms Ingrid is in. It was like uh, it was like they put up a room in a hallway. It wasn't an actual yeah. room. The one the night slasher was trying to get at her in. Yeah, it's really ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's like they. This is just like fucking. The Wild Wild West, as far as filming goes, anything that worked, they're like, fuck it, just do it. Yeah, let's they're like, this is, this is the no, set we no can put takes. together, let's go with it. Yeah. So, yeah, for But yeah, sure. so now we get on the road, they're like, okay, yeah, we're going upstate, you got to hide out. I mean, because... Right, this is when they have the, the dirty cop in tow as part of the group with them. Yes, and so this is, okay. and this is where I told you, I would bring up some places where they want to talk about the messaging of this film. So... Bridget Nielsen and Sly are driving in their pickup truck and they're like, the lady's like, you know, why, why is this guy doing this? And he's like, oh, you know, cause they're psychos, you know? And she's like, why can't the police just put him away? And you know, Stallone with his message is like, well, you got to tell that to the judge, you know, we lock him up, but they let him out, you know? And I'm just like, come on, right. man. <laughs> it's like, what message are you sending here that yes, you need to be the, the lone bearer of justice through the gun. Right. I mean, is that what he's, I think that's what the message of this movie is supposed to say. It's like, yeah, the system doesn't work. People shouldn't have rights or criminals shouldn't right. have rights. And I will go back to it. If you go back and you watch dirty Harry, it is a message that's peppered through that film too, that, you know, the criminals, when they got rights, they just get away with it. And we are powerless as cops to do anything about it. So, yeah, they bring that in there because they also brought that up earlier in the captain's office, too, where he says, hey, if we have to play by these bullshit rules in the killer. (laughs) There's so many messages in there, but they don't explore any of these things throughout this film. Yeah, it all sounds like interesting. But, yeah, so we get to the restaurant, right? Because this is what this is where the whole town will get to. They're in a little diner here. and This is a. Yeah, in all these little scenes, like it, it's meant to establish also that not only are you know we're we're supposedly filling in plot holes, but also that Cobretti is becoming romantically interested in Ingrid and vice yes. versa. Like they're starting to become, you know, into one another. So they're establishing a relationship, and in between all the cop talk and other weird shit and, and dumb choices, uh, you, you you're, they try to throw in some levity. Like uh, you find out that Cobretti's name is Marion. It's supposed <laughs> yes. to be this big thing. His name's Marion. It's a it's a whole thing, everybody. Yeah, like, that it, he's so intense and so cool that Jesus. you know, yeah, yeah. He's so tough. He can't have a name called like Marion. He's too manly to be called. Marianne. And then he makes a joke about how he wanted a tougher name like Alice. Oh my god, <laughs> damn it! You think Sly for oh, sure came up with that right? One hundred percent. Because like, like otherwise, you know, perfect. most people say we're yeah. cutting that line, man. This is bullshit. It's like Sloan's like, no yeah, fucking like, way. Fucking this is staying in the film. Right. Right. Fuck you, George. Sit out. We're <laughs> yes. not cutting. That's yeah. what he fucking Go said home. right there. I got this. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we get. It, it, oh, yeah, we got the scene it's... in the restaurant here where, yeah, apparently Ingrid really likes her fries, um, or. Yeah, like she loaded on like probably I don't know a half gallon of ketchup onto a thing of fries, and I don't know. It's just like, all these little scenes like it, they're meant to be charming, kind of meet cute, kind of they like don't oh, work look at though. them, they're yeah. so into it. But man, they don't work. They're so flat. Like how the fuck do these two ever marry each other? Because their on screen chemistry. Well, they, is like terrible. I said, they're only together they, for two years. There's, there's no spark. You <laughs> know? Oh, okay, so yeah. it's already old news. At that yeah, point. I mean, so I mean, I, one thing I I feel throughout this movie is I feel like Stallone is projecting his own lifestyle onto other people throughout this because <laughs> he's constantly giving like yeah. uh, Gonzalez shit about what he eats and shit like that. Then he's judging 
Bridget Nielsen's character for like putting all the ketchup in the, on the fries and stuff. Too yeah, much sugar, so dog. he's just like, yeah, he's all like, abs. you gotta eat yeah. apples and you gotta eat this healthy stuff and blah blah blah. Because he even says that at the hospital too. He's like, what? You're not into health food, you know? It's just ridiculous. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I can't imagine why she didn't want to stick around, Sly. <laughs> like, I'm wondering if that's how the real world was like for him. Right, like every time you eat a bag of chips, he's there just fucking yeah. shaking his head like Sam the Eagle. It's like, oh, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, man. So after the scene, then, like, after they're done with the restaurant, we then go to, uh, like, they're going to their to their hotel where they're going to bunk up for the night. And it's where C- Cobretti kind of starts to suspect Nancy being up to something, but he doesn't follow through with it all, which I find weird. Like, he sees her on the phone, and uh, he asks who she was talking to. She gives a cagey response, but she was quick to respond. So it didn't seem all that suspect to me, but for some reason, Cobra just suspected it, but did not act no, on it whatsoever. I, I think, just said, ah, yeah, I think that it, this was an idea that was explored a little more in the longer cut. Um, because he, he talks about how he's oh. like, yeah, they've got somebody on the inside. He says that. So automatically he's looking. Yeah. I think he already has his suspicions. I think they just had to cut a lot of that stuff out. Because, But about Nancy, she didn't do one thing to tr- to draw suspicion from The only whatsoever. thing that she does you know I mean? is, yeah, they, they happen to know where they are at all times. Like they get ambushed coming out of the, right. out of the hospital. Uh, they know that somebody right. pulled the guards off of the hospital guard duty. And he... Mm catches her in the in the restaurant making a phone call and he just kind of looks at her and stuff like that right. and yeah and then he catches her for a second time uh you know outside of the room and says yeah why didn't you call from your room she's like no my phone's broken and i couldn't couldn't get through so yeah, yeah i think by that point yeah he's supposed to like yeah i i know she's up to something but he can't prove it but once again it doesn't go anywhere because the very next day all the bad guys show up and they and it's confirmed because he, it's like it's like one of those things he doesn't even have to figure out. He just sees her talking to all the bad guys and they're like, "Oh, we never trusted her," you know. It's it's just ridiculous. Yeah, like, like really? I feel like there should have been more to it where she kept her cool and kept her cover until like that last scene when he he you know he's yeah. the one who you know acts against a woman, right? Like I feel like that should be the time yeah. where that turn should come about, but it doesn't. It's it's horrible. The hero of the movie is the, the very one who commits an act. Yeah, I guess a woman. But at least it would have made her. more sense had but they said, "Yeah, she does a turn and turns on him right at the last minute." When like, yeah, they could have both shown up on the Night Stalker and right. like, had him cornered, and then she turns the gun on him. Right? Then you got something. But yeah, yep. I think it was a missed opportunity for Sly. But but this is also where we get that intense love scene now between Bridget Nielsen and Sly in this film. Yeah, this is before like the big final uh, third act climax, right? It's like him and Ingrid and Cobretti kind of fully falling in love, I guess. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, like like Stallone is supposed to like. I think this is where, as we were talking about, he he's got stocks. He he believes that she's up to something. Yeah. So he goes back to his room and just puts together his machine gun, right? Because he's like, "Oh shit, something's <laughs> right, going yeah. down." Like he just uses the I force and senses that shit. Yeah, I think you're supposed to make that leap of logic and say, "Yep, he's finally has a suspect. He believes stock is bad, got it. and that." She's turned him over, so I've got to be ready now. Doesn't doesn't tell Gonzalez any of this shit, you know. Yeah. It just says, "Okay, I'm gonna put the machine gun together." Yeah, it doesn't tell his the partner. Grenades out. <laughs> Nothing like that. <laughs> yes. Like doesn't even call. He's not sharing a room with Stock. No. Right. So like he could have just picked up the phone and called him and said, "Hey, man. Right. I think something's about to go down tomorrow. Let's get ready." Right. Doesn't give him a heads up. Nothing. 
Yeah, so all he does is like, I'm gonna get all, I'm gonna put the machine gun together, put the laser sight on it, pull out hand grenades. Like, why this guy has hand grenades? I have no idea. Yeah. You know, gets everything ready to go, and then all of a sudden, like, I guess that really turns on Ingrid because she's just like staring and watching him do it, and she's like, "Hey, you need to come over here and sit next to me." <laughs> right. Basically, like I'm assuming they're supposed to have done it that night or something like yeah. that. I don't know. I'm, I guarantee Celine wrote that Celine wrote that scene too. He's like, "I'm gonna get out of my guns. You're gonna get so turned on. It's just gonna be unbelievable." Go. <laughs> Once again, you feel like it's like a projection of the real life. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and she's like, "Yeah, I don't like this." Like, look life. at all these guns, Brigitte. And she's like, "Fucking great, Sylvester. Can we just go to dinner, please?" <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's all I want. Right. You know, yes. And so I could sit there and let you judge. Oh, that's right. Yeah, the hell food shit. See, there you go. It, it's yes. pure hell living with Stallone. Got to be. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Um, sorry. Uh, so you go to the next morning here. Like, this is the third act startup where, you know, it's the morning where shit's going to go down, like, essentially, right? Yeah, we're at the Denouement here. Yeah. I mean, this is and, it, uh, where everything's getting wrapped and up. Does the firefight start right at dawn? Like, is that when the, the, the slashers come a-slashing, right? Like, it's barely daytime when they start attacking yeah, the motel? Yeah, so they're all... Yeah, they all come together, and they're all just, like, all riding their motorcycles to this one central location. Right. And when we say all, Stocks there is them. a fuckload of these Night Slasher gang yeah. members. Once again, the entire army to take out one lady yep. that still, they don't know who the hell the Night Slasher is. No, she has but, no clue. Yeah. Yeah, so they're going to go take over a whole town, mm-hmm. kill people. Because apparently there were some cutscenes from this town, too, where, you know, like the, the sheriff was getting, like, cut up and shit. Oh, and, damn. Or blown away. Yeah, I mean, people just being taken down in this town. Jesus. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, we get up early. Because originally this scene was supposed to take place at night. Stallone didn't want it to be shot at night. He thought it would look much better in the daytime. Cosmatos was like, well, why do you have it in the day? Because now you can see the guys coming from a mile away. But because of Stallone, Stallone got what he wanted. So this, this stuff takes place, yeah, in the in the crack of dawn, you know, early morning. Yeah. That's a hell of a good and point. All the bikers why would it be just show during up. that day? You can see him coming. It's like, man, that's fucking, that's logic. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah, Stallone's like, no, oh, no, I look better in the right, daylight. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, so the, the bikers all show up. You see them take over the sheriff's station. Yep. They, they're getting people off the street. And, yeah, and then they, that's when Sly sees Stock over there talking to somebody in another pickup truck. And that's when they're like, oh, yeah, confirmed. Right. She's the bad Definitely guy. Definitely bad. And then he, then he tells, you know, Gonzalez, hey, get inside, man, because shit's about right. to go down. Put down your toothbrush. We got some shit to do. Yeah. Terrible partner. <laughs> Just absolutely terrible. Yeah. Well, you know, he's like the Terminator, you know. Yeah. Like, Stallone's like, well, nothing can happen to me. I'm the hero of this film, right. so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and then also, like, not only on top of that, like, Gonzalez gets hurt, too. <laughs> like, he gets shot, Yeah, he right? gets shot. Yeah. Like, his building gets set on fire. His hotel room gets set on fire, and he jumps out the window just in time. Yep. And then, yeah, gets shot in the leg, and then we just forget about him. Like, nobody knows what he's, the hell happens He's left to there him. till the end of the movie, basically. Because then Ingrid yeah. and... Uh... Cobra, they escape, they flee, and leave Gonzalez there. They drive right the fuck away in the back of a truck, right? They get to a truck and drive yeah, away. Yeah, in, in, in Cobra's defense, he does yell for Tony because <laughs> his, his building's on fire. But yeah, he's like, Tony, Tony, and then like no answer. So yeah, jumps in the back of the truck, right? you know, and and Ingrid is driving. Right, right? yeah, and yeah, yeah. Taking off down the road, and this takes on a very long... So long. I mean, that's not really long, but it feels long. Mm-hmm car chase uh, and it's just Stallone standing on the back of a pickup truck 
shooting down people as they drive up next to the truck. Yeah. It's it's kind of lame. Feels actually. like a like a bad video game almost where the 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 game yeah, very much so. just take yeah. them out as they go. Cuz yeah. It seems like there's non-stop bikers yeah. just coming waves. Out from waves all directions. Waves, yeah. <laughs> and they've got like they, apparently they had time to set up a roadblock that set cars on fire, <laughs> yeah. you know, that they have to drive through. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, so they they drive through that the the truck that they're in now is no longer drivable. Nope. You know, Stallone is thrown from the goddamn truck. Yeah. <laughs> but he gets up, no problem. <laughs> and then they run into a an orange uh orange field, right? Yeah. Because they're in they're in central southern California, kind of so why, why not an yeah, orange grove? Yeah. <laughs> which butts up right against a large foundry for some yeah, reason. Yeah, which again, is this supposed to be the same foundry from the opening of the movie when the slasher and his gang are all or is this just a separate foundry they found? I've never figured that out because I always wondered <laughs> if it would be too. Um, because all these guys get there pretty damn quick. Yeah, they do. Like, I mean, they've always got, they always show like somebody's following them at all times, but it seems like they get there just in a couple of hours. Mm-hmm. So, but we'll have to assume that no, it seems to still be a working foundry because there's a security guard there yeah. for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, he's the only one there. <laughs> and for some reason, like, so. Yeah, they're running through it, right? And Stallone's still taking guys out. They're running through the Orange Grove. He tells Bridget Nielsen's character to run to the foundry, yep. right? Get over there and hide. So she does. She runs into the foundry. Stock is right behind her mm-hmm. with a shotgun. Chases her to the foundry. And she runs up to the security guard. He's behind some glass, right? She's banging on the door. Stock catches up. Answer me this. Why doesn't Stock just blow Bridget Nielsen's character away right then and there? Why does she have to shoot the security guard first? You know, I had that very question. I was like, that's the end of the movie. Like, oh, nope. No, it's not. We're still no, going. for some reason, yeah. She shoots the security guard who just bumps into a panel and then turns the entire factory Yeah. On. Like, like, molten lava, molten metal is being poured all over the place. It's like Fire, a shittiest Bird Goldberg everywhere. machine fucking to set up ever. So I'm going to shoot this guy. He's in the back of the button. It's going to be perfect. The most insane shit. So oh, it makes no sense. No. It makes no sense no whatsoever. But it does fire up the foundry and you got sparks flying everywhere, super heat. And it's just, it's a very cool setup for a final fight scene. Like, you know, if Scorpion and Sub-Zero were going to fight there, you'd be pretty jazzed. <laughs> like, basically. Yes, very much yeah. so. Yeah. And Stallone? This is Stallone. Nah, I don't know. This is Cobra versus, uh, versus the Night Slasher in this. And it... At what point does does Cobra drop probably the stupidest tough guy line ever? Is is it is it midway during oh, no. the fight or is it before they actually start fighting? Because what is he? I think I know which one you're talking about. What does he exactly about? He say to this guy? He's like, I, "You're arrested, he sucker, killed, so, or something." What he, I know he yeah, calls no, him no, sucker. No, no, no. He killed. Yeah. He kills. He so he goes through and he kicks. He, he's like picking off all the bad guys one by one, yeah. right? Well. Until you're left with the Night Slasher and basically Stock. But Stock is, like, hiding out. Like, we assume she's dead because it looked like she got shot. But, yeah. So, Stallone, yeah, he comes out out of a corner and he's like, the guy, well, let me go back just a little bit because we get. To the guy he set on fire. This is the only time. This is the only time. Oh, oh, we we haven't even talked about that yet. That was so out of nowhere. Let's back up to that real quick. Let's back up to that real quick before I get to the next scene. Oh, man. Yeah. So it makes no sense that they're in a foundry where there's sparks, fire, everything, and there's like an open can of gasoline. Yeah, just, just sitting, sitting there. there. But yeah, drops the gasoline like they he like to set it up. If you haven't seen it, 
you know, Sloan's on a catwalk. There's this big canister of gasoline. And this other guy um, whose name is just Cho. That's the only thing you know about him. He's just like one of, like, he's the Night Slasher's right-hand guy, basically. <laughs> They're looking for each other. They don't see each other. All of a sudden, they, they, they lock eyes. They see each other. You know, Cho points his gun upwards. Stallone points his down. Cho fires. I think it's when Cho hits the can with his gun or something. I don't know. But the, the canister falls onto him, <laughs> blinds him, basically. So he's like, he can't see. You feel you feel bad for the guy almost. but Oh, yeah, for sure. But yeah. And then Stallone's like, hey, you know, once again, I'm judge, jury, and executioner. So he says, you have the right to remain silent. Takes that match that he's been carrying around. So at least... Chekhov's ga- uh, match, Chekhov's right? They match. set that up in the first uh, first act, so it came back in the third. <laughs> he he lights it on that gun of his and just drops on him and just burns the guy to hell. So um, you have the right to remain silent, sucker. That's yeah. So so once again, Jesus. I would I would say that uh, Cobretti just committed murder right there. Yeah, because Mur- he, he did not have authorization. Murder. to use I, I'll tell you that that was force. the worst fucking tough guy line ever. Not even anything cool related to fire or temperature or anything. He calls the no. guy a sucker. Oh my god! Might, well, yeah, because he, he he pops out and finds the night slasher. Because the night slasher gives this great little speech, right? Mm-hmm. We finally get to understand what his his motivations Motivation. are. It's yeah. basically just Darwinism, right? He's like, we're the strong, yeah. we kill the weak, so we'll survive. Blah blah blah. So that's mm-hmm. the whole thing about his army. We're just going around killing people so they can be just like us. Yeah. And yeah, and he says we're the future, and that's when Stallone comes out, points the laser no. cannon at him, and says, "No." He's like, "You're history." <laughs> and is that when he says just sucker? Sucker. Yeah, I think he, you're not even sucker. It, it's sucker. a soft uh, yeah, sucker. That's yeah. what he hits him with. Jesus and that's when Christ. we see that Stock is still alive. She jumps on him, and then uh, the Night Slasher is actually the one who takes her out. He's the one who fires. Yeah, he that shoots last, her. Yeah, shotgun blast to her in the back, and she's dead. And then we get the the one on one fight where Stallone grabs a chain, and the Night Slasher is using that awesome knife. Monstrous that, knife. That, it's huge too. It's all yeah, spiked knife, and shit and Jesus. It, it was custom made for this movie. Oh, was uh, this? By a real by a real knife maker. Yeah. They they said when they went to this guy, they said, Hey, we want you to design a knife that when people see it, they will never forget it. And I can Fucking. guarantee you, if you see that knife anywhere, because I'm sure they sell copies of it, yeah. but if you saw that, you would probably know, oh, that's the knife from um from Cobra. Fucking achievement unlocked, because yeah, it's definitely it's recognizable as shit. Yeah, I mean it's like brass knuckles and a knife all in one. It's just yeah, it's crazy. huge too, and like and there's spikes on it. Like it, it's absolutely wild. Like it, and were... it was also real. I mean, it was a real sharp knife. Brian Thompson had stories that said, "Yeah, I've cut myself a couple times on that thing." Holy shit, did he? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> My God. Oh, and we'll get to it just here in a second too. There's a good story about Thompson and Stallone. So. Oh, f- I, I can only it, Well, let's just talk about it right now because yeah, yeah, they get into it and they're fighting. And they're rolling around like by hot molten lava too. Like anywhere it's all else, like, around them. Like fucking yeah, like, egg, yeah. I feel like you would be burned, like scalded. Yeah, with for as sure. much molten metal that's around them. But as they get into a fight, you know, it, it's a decent little fight. Like I'm enjoying it. It's it's well choreographed. Yeah. But at the uh, so finally Stallone kind of gets the upper hand, right? And he mm-hmm. he pulls his pistol out and he starts whipping Brian Thompson in the face, right? The night slasher. Yeah. Apparently, one of those blows hit Thompson in the face. Oh shit! And he was rattled. Yeah. Yeah, understandably so. But, yes. But this sets up uh, one of the most crazy kills for any villain I've ever seen. It's over the top. 
I mean, one that I felt like I almost felt bad if the Night Stalker wasn't such a, or yeah, the Night Slasher wasn't such a terrible person. Like yeah. you'd almost feel bad for the guy because there's these giant hooks running by Stallone and and Thompson as they're 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 fighting here, and they do a real good job. They're fighting around him and everything like that. But as Stallone gets the upper hand, like I said, he was beating Thompson in the face with his gun, lifts the guy up and just hangs him like Texas Chainsaw Massacre style on one of those hooks. Yep. And the screams that Brian Thompson gives out. Harsh. Like you feel just, you feel the pain. He's like, ah, ah," like that. I mean, just the pain. And then he's like headed off to a uh, uh, furnace to be burned Yeah, it alive. gets worse. Not only has he had the shit kicked out of him, like he's impaled on a hook, he's screaming for pain. He then, the, the conveyor belt starts, is still going. He is just dragged into an inferno where he is just yeah. roasted. Man, it is, roasted alive. It's yeah. harsh. It is a it's, harsh, harsh nun. It's, it's vicious. It's, yeah. it's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. And this is our hero we, doing this. Yes, once again, like I was saying, like it's it's funny to go back and watch some of these movies and say, yeah, these people are straight up committing murder. Yeah, for uh, sure. This is this is not no more in the line of duty now. I yeah. mean, he's just he's killing people for, yep. for shit. Uh, but he wins. He saves the day. He he saves Ingrid and he puts he subdues the night slasher, you know, and all that the the fatal capture, as they say. Uh, and then so then gets to go meet. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so all then all the, all at the end of the movie, there's a little bit of a there's a little bit of wrap up, which I'm not. I'm not sure why it was actually, exactly it was necessary because it's it only further calls it like, okay what was as as Cobra is walking out like he, he checks in like you know we, we find out that Gonzalez is still alive and he's being put yep. in an ambulance and you know the, uh, Art Lafleur Captain Sears shows up and then you know the typical police scene like you've seen the end of, of cop movies you know how it goes well the one part that I thought was interesting is that Detective Monty shows up and he, he seems to almost earnestly apologized to Cobra a bit for, yeah. for being such a dick. But then uh, Cobra just hauls off and just wallops the guy right in the face, basically. Oh, yes. Like, after the guy Once apologizes, again, he's, guy. he's like, you know, he's like, you know, we have our differences, but you get results. And then Cobra, instead of saying thanks, wallops him. Just fucking hammers the guy right in the face. In <laughs> front of the captain, no less, too. Like, right. Everybody's around there and sees it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, but there is probably a reason for this. Okay, because this. <laughs> so is I it? don't know if you read this part about this about the screenplay and how they, how it was originally supposed to go down. Uh-huh. Um, so Monty, it was supposed to be at the end that he was going to be revealed as the head of this cult. No like, shit. Like he was supposed to have like a big tattoo on his chest. What? You know that was going to take like five hours to apply and all that. A stuff. tattoo like, of what? Of the, of the night slasher's face? Yeah, like, like that skull and crossbones be? thing they have, like oh. tattooed on their on their wrist. Yeah. Like he was going to have a big one of those. Like yeah, he was supposed to be the big bad. He was going to be found out. Weird. So apparently, at the end of this, probably for time constraints, but also because like apparently this is the, something that. Andrew Robinson actually said in interviews and stuff that like, you know, him and Stallone kind of came to an agreement. They said, look, let's just, we don't need this. It's extra, you know, ending on top of the ending. Yeah. You already beat the Night Stalker. We don't really need this. So let's finish it this way where you just punch Monty out instead of having to go through this final probably scene where they have to have it out again. And they're going to have to fight or something. But, but why, but why, like the guy apologized. It just makes Cobra seem like a dick. Like one of his last acts in the dick. movies is to come across like an asshole even more. It's like, what are we doing here? 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's supposed to be that rah-rah moment, right? Back is in it? the 80s where, where it's just like, ha, 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 yeah, Stallone finally is proven right. But yeah, but it's just, yeah, the bully wins, right? Like I get to be the, or or not so much the bully wins because like Monty is supposed to be the bully and Stallone's supposed to be like, yeah, I'm putting you in your place now. Wow. You know, I you're not as good as me. So I don't. I don't know. It. It doesn't fit. <laughs> it doesn't need to be there. It could have just simply said, "Yeah, I'm sorry. I was wrong." Stallone. Oh yeah. Um. Yeah. But I don't know. But then we get another kind of like not silly, silly add-on, but it is pretty stupid. Uh, we oh, get dumb. perhaps the happiest fucking song I've ever heard in my life <laughs> to play against the movie. Uh, pipe up as uh, Cobrandy and Ingrid jump on the back of a motorcycle and just go tooling away down the fucking California coastline to a, a legitimately very happy tune. Does not fit yes. with the scene, uh, like the ending of the movie, the tone of the entire film. We just watched nothing. It's so out of place. No. And it, it, it leads me into what other point I got to bring up. The soundtrack <laughs> to this movie alone <laughs> is wild. It is, yes. Now, there's, did, there's stuff that wasn't even put in there that was supposed to be in there too. Did, now, how much? Who actually picks the, the soundtrack for a movie? Because it, I read that Stallone had a hand at picking the songs for this. Like, how true do you think that is? Oh, it's very true. Is Stallone really? is very big. Like, watch his movies. Like Rocky Three. Like Survivor is a band because Stallone basically <laughs> gave them enough commercial success. Like he puts their music, his music, in a lot of his movies. Yeah, Stallone is very particular about the music that gets put into his film. Weird. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, this is a side note, too. I don't know if you knew this. So, you know the the movie from Transformers, the movie Stan Bush's The Touch? Yeah. It was supposed to be in this film. What? It was written for this film. Yes. Written for this get, movie? Didn't, didn't get put into there. And yeah, because it wouldn't fit. What? It doesn't fit anywhere. But, yes, it was written for this <laughs> film. What the fuck? Yeah, Who's touch? No Cobra's touch? Like, what is this? Yes. I don't get that yeah, at all. The, the killing touch? I don't know. Oh my god, this makes no sense. Yeah, there's a lot of shit. There's so much crazy shit in this film that just like it's crazy. I mean, oh my god. If you just read some of the the backs, the 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 behind the scenes stuff in this film, it's just nuts. Yeah. So Brian Thompson, who like I I have to say he I love him in this film. He's so scary. He's really good. Yeah, just frightening. This yeah. guy was not invited to the screening of the film. Get the fuck out. He, He's the villain he had of the to movie. Buy, he had to buy his own ticket. To Get this day, he doesn't understand why. Wow, like, that's he fucked he up. Has, it makes no sense. Like, he and Stallone, they didn't talk forever. Like, I don't know if they had a falling out, but I read somewhere that, like, it wasn't until, like, 30 years later after this film was made that these guys met up again randomly because... Brian Thompson, um, either his daughter was teaching Stallone's daughter how to ride horses or something. So they Weird. were at a country club together and they just happened to run into each other and they just had a conversation, you know, and just, you know, a little reunion. But why did you yeah, it just, from here, dickhead? That'd have been my first fucking question. Random stories that came out of the shooting on this stuff, you know, about how Stallone wasn't wasn't allowed to be talked to by anybody because he was surrounded by bodyguards like um, what do you Lee mean talking by anybody like anybody on the movie nobody was allowed to talk to him yeah the director was the only one who was to talk to him now there there's people who counter that and say no it's not necessarily that way it's you know it's because he was surrounded by bodyguards he i mean bodyguards that people couldn't approach him easily like stallone has always said that he's very approachable people who met stallone say he's a very approachable guy he's very funny he's he's humorous yeah um lee garlington will speak to that who plays nancy stock um, she said she 
felt very uncomfortable throughout the whole shoot until the very end because she just felt very ostracized. Like Stallone wouldn't talk to her. She never got a chance to talk to him. It wasn't until the end of the shooting when they were discussing how their fight would go, where they were going, were jumping on, where he actually pulled her aside, sat her down, just had some coffee with her. And she said, he's probably one of the most charming people he's ever met. You know, she just had, she was totally wrong about it. So it, it, whoever you decided to believe in that story, right. You know, about, about some of the stuff. That's like I said, most of the stories that come from many sets, you know, you do have to take with a grain of salt and say, okay, is it just a pissed off person or is it? Unless it's about the rock. True? Believe everything you hear about the rock. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> surprisingly, I haven't heard a lot of stuff about the rock, but I'm all true. Curious. All ego. Everybody knows that it's fine. <laughs> no, I believe it. Yeah. Well, that sucks, Ryan. Like this was his first big break. Like he was, uh, his first movie before this, he had a bit part in Terminator. He was, uh, yeah. he was the guy who was the same size as Schwarzenegger uh, as the, as the T1. He got killed for his clothes in the first Terminator movie. Yeah. He was, he was, he was uh, alongside Bill Paxton. He uh, was, yeah. Gang. Sure was. So, yeah. I think he's the one that gets punched to the gut though, right? Is, yeah. Uh, is Thompson's character. Yeah. It's, it's his yeah. coat and horrible t-shirt that, uh, that Schwarzenegger steals. Yeah. So this is his first kind of like big, and he didn't get to go to the premiere. That sucks, man. Can you believe that shit? Cause I mean, I, this film wouldn't be the same if he wasn't in it. Like, no, he, he is truly a frightening character. I mean, yeah. I'm just, I, to this day, I think he's probably the most crazy looking serial killer I've ever seen. I mean, just built, but sweaty and gross. Yeah. yeah just and terrible. given his size too, you believe he could actually kick the shit out of Stallone. <laughs> like, for yeah, sure. he's huge. In fact, yeah, I'm pretty certain that he probably told him, he's like, you need to cut it back a little bit because, right. you know, you can't make me look bad there, Brian. Don't yeah. fucking piss with me again. We're going to have some problems, yeah. Mr. Stallone. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I will kill you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, well, on a, on a, on a, a seemingly a, paltry, a $25 million budget, it made $160 million in the 80s. So, yeah, that's it's just a monstrous amount of money. It's definitely a cult hit. I don't know as far as critically goes. Like, it's, it's critically panned, right? Like, it, critics really seem to hate this movie. Is that right? It's it's got mixed reviews depending on where you live. Like I remember when Siskel and Ebert were doing a review of this and they oh, were just making imagine. fun of it. Yeah, yeah, they were saying, yeah, it's just a rip off of Dirty Harry. Yeah, um, you know, they just they weren't really big into it. They were they kind of were making fun of Stallone for kind of just saying, okay, look, you've you've you're now just this big action star. You've dropped story. You've dropped characters. You've dropped all this stuff. So this is what your final product is now, and this is what we can expect from you. Other other. Uh, you know, reviews were somewhat kind to it and saying, yeah, it's a pretty entertaining action film. I mean, I go on the ladder on this. Like, I I know what this is. When I see a Stallone film from the 80s, I know what I'm getting. Yep. You know, same thing with a Schwarzenegger film. Like, I know what I'm getting. I'm not expecting tremendous acting and, <laughs> right. you know, great lines. You know, I'm expecting one-liners. Yeah, for and sure. Like, someone calling somebody a sucker. That. Something like yeah. that. Yeah, this movie delivers on that. It it, it has lots of explosions, a, mm-hmm. a high body count. I think there's like 54 people that are killed in this thing. Jesus. Most of them all by Cobra. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it is what it is. And I had to I have to say as I said in the onset of this podcast, this is a movie I've gone back to that I watched in the 80s. I saw it as a young child. I've gone back. It holds up. I don't watch it now say Right. Well, you sit through this thing. Like, you sat through it yeah. five times. I mean, what was your thoughts? I, I love it. I really enjoy this movie. Like, I, I have no, you know, as as dumb as it is, I mean, you know, I've seen a lot of dumb things. It's it's entertaining enough in all the areas uh, where, you know, where things work that it overshadows the bad. You can kind of ignore, yeah. like, the dumb things. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think you, 
like I said, you, you know what you're getting, so you, you kind of just go with it because this is just a roller coaster yeah. for you. You're just going to – you paid your two bits. You're, you got your ticket, right. and you're going to go for a ride for an hour and a half. And you, you like it, you like it, you don't, you don't. You know, it's just, it's just that. Well, since you're in such a giving mood for Stallone movies, I do have a suggestion for the next one. We can watch. Oh, boy. <laughs> it, okay, now, uh, so back about, about Cobra. You would figure it being one of Stallone's most uh, – financially successful movies like early early at that point in his career it would have been ready-made for a franchise but i you know a sequel never materialized like they were still talking about it a couple of years ago for talked some reason, about, but it never yeah. happened yeah talked about thankfully never happened nobody wants to you know i don't know um but one movie that uh apparently stallone is now actively uh pursuing a sequel for uh that i think we should watch the first one too in case it ever does come to fruition it's now on streaming is uh 1993's cliffhanger Oh my God! I know. He I will a, say, he however, wants a sequel to this, he does. Like it, it, he he's mentioned it like within the past couple of weeks. Like there, why he, he's trying to get a sequel to Cliffhanger Mate. I have no fucking idea. Oh my God! Wow. You know, for those who haven't seen it, the villain of the movie might be some enticement. For, John Lithgow mm-hmm. plays the villain in this, and it's as he always does. He plays a great bad guy. He does. Uh, Rennie Harlan directed it too. You know, it's it's a good action movie, but it's it is Stallone climbing mountains. I mean, so it's just know what you're in for on that. It's one. got Michael Rooker, so I mean, it's 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 worth that. Yeah, yeah. He's a good friend of me. He plays a good friend of me. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, but man, okay. A lot of rec- a lot of recognizable faces in this one uh, from the time, but by far and away the, the biggest money draws this movie are uh, Stallone and Lithgow. It's uh. It's a two-hour movie, and oh, I haven't man. watched it for <laughs> I haven't watched it for several, several, several years. So I'm I'm unsure if it's gonna feel like two hours oh, or not. Boy. So we'll what, see. But I mean, if you want to go somewhere else, the lonely weekend. What did I do to you to call down this thunder? <laughs> it it just popped up to me, and like you know, but the, the Rocky stories we're kind of more familiar with. So I think this one might be a more entertaining to watch before we get into ones like you know we kind of already like. Like we, yeah, because we're you know we're definitely I mean? gonna do more Stallone as we go up through the summer here. Um, yeah, and there there are much better Stallone films, but I'm on board for that because it is as bad as it is. I I remember watching it and not thinking it was so terrible, but also remembering it's not so great. It's a mountain <laughs> rescue heist movie. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> yes, I mean it's 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 basically those action films from the 90s. But we'll we will certainly talk about that uh, when we come back. Uh, yeah. Oh boy! Man, you wait. If Stallone doesn't make a sequel to this, they'll be they'll be rebooting this with Jason Momoa in fucking two years. I guarantee you. God right? Almighty! You know what I mean? I don't know if that's good or bad though. He climbs a lot of mountains, man. It fits. <laughs> like he does it in his personal life. Yeah, that's what he does. Uh, train for I Aquaman. Guess he, he might be a better uh, better fit for it then. I don't know. He might be more believable than yeah. Than Stallone climbing mountains, looking like a squirrel, fucking scaling a tree. Yes. <laughs> oh man. Slide. All right, everybody. Well, we had a lot of fun doing this. We hope you did too. Uh, as we said earlier, you can check us out at our home of the wedding at adamsters.com. That is A D A M S T E R S dot com. We have got a lot of shit to watch, so we'll talk to you guys later. Peace. Mmm, delicious.